Would you stand if you are able for the reading of God's infallible and inerrant word? And we're reading today from what everyone here knows is my favorite chapter in the, in the Bible. And um, in a way, they're all my favorites, but this has a special place in my life. And uh, I'm going to read one verse only from the great eighth chapter, what I call the Christian's Great Hope, that whole chapter. And this is from the 28th verse. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Great words. Thank you. Be seated. And before I begin the message today, I would just like to look quickly through this uh, verse together to lift up some highlights. Now, you know, the Apostle Paul had suffered many trials, much trouble. He had been left for dead a number of times, stoned, beaten, imprisoned, tortured, gone through all kinds of trials. And yet he does not write complainingly at any place in all of his letters. And as he writes to the Romans, no doubt he's reflecting over the trials and troubles that he has gone through himself. And he lifts up these words. And we know, now that word know it that is used in the Greek here uh, has a special connotation. It is not just a head knowledge, but the kind of knowledge that one has experienced and one knows, you know. We can know some things about the, as we read the writings of others, if they're trustworthy, we can know some things about Antarctica. Now, I've never been to Antarctica, and since cold weather is my idea of hell, I'm not interested in going to Antarctica. But, but I can read about it from a safe distance of a comfortable chair away from the cold. But that is not the same kind of knowing that if I actually went there. You know, uh, I'd always read about what a beautiful city Singapore is and how clean it is, but I did not know it for a fact until I went there on my missionary travels. And it was all they said. So you ha- so the, the kind of knowing that Paul is talking about here is, is that which we have experienced. We know it because we've experienced. And he's certainly writing this verse out of the context of his own life. And, and many of the people that he's writing with would have also known as he knows. That all things work out for the good. Now, I, wanna, I had an old lady I knew in the mountains, and you know, so when it comes to God's word, I'm, I'm pretty blunt. And, uh, but she never went to church, and I never heard a lot of praise of the Lord coming out of her mouth. I never heard anything that indicated to me that she had much of a spiritual life at all. But, but every time something bad would happen, she'd say, well, all things work to the good. Now I was a, a young minister then, I was back home visiting, she said, all things work to the good, and I said, I beg your pardon, they do not, all things do not work to the good. Many things work to the bad for those that do not know Christ. Because what the text says is not all things work 
for the good. But it says that all things work to the good of those who love God. And that's, a, that's not just an emotional, that, the, the love in the, in the biblical sense means commitment, it means fellowship, it means a whole lot of things. It, all things work to the good for those that love God. And then he goes on to say, to those who are called, now that term called, there's a special Greek term too, and what, what that indicates, that word, if you look at it, how it's used throughout the specific Greek word throughout the Bible is that, that it is those who have heard the call of God to come unto Christ and receive him. Blessed all who have heard that call, and blessed are they that have responded. So it's called according to his purpose. Now, uh, his purpose there has a double meaning. Uh, one of it is the meaning of that is, is to do the service that God calls you to do. And the other, of course, overriding and overarching of all, called to his purpose, and his purpose is to save us through Jesus Christ. So if we're clear now that this text that Paul writes, that all things work to the good only, you could have put that in there, only to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. I know, in, as a matter of fact, that many of my beloved family here have gone through and are going through some very hard times. We have a dear brother in his family who are anxiously awaiting the homegoing of a precious sister right now. We have a a dear brother who is seeking to recover from, from uh, severe foot injuries. And that brings many difficulties online. We have a dear brother who's seeking and trying to get his mobility back following surgery. We have some here dealing with serious illnesses. This word comes to all of us today, and we're all going to deal with them, you know. I mean, like we're always talking about Joel. Joel, Joel says nothing ever bad's going to happen to anybody, but he's wrong. It happens to all of us, and and I know personally in my own life that 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 I've been through some hard times. But you know, I can say this com- with complete ease today and comfort because of what I know in Christ. I've got some more waiting on me. I don't know when they're going to happen, but they're going to happen. More difficulties, more burdens. And yet, how can I say I look at these with confidence? I say it looking at confidence about dealing with them because of what Paul tells us and what Paul experienced in his own life and, and what the promise, the great promise of God is. God is sovereign. Do you know what that means? Incidentally, we will be having the Thursday morning Bible study at uh, Steve Adams' house. But, and, uh, and, and glory came down the other Thursday morning, didn't it, Steve? As we were sitting there and as Rodney pointed to us that we don't think enough about God's glorious sovereignty. That we live under. That we live under the care of a sovereign God. Now what does that mean? That means that God is in control of everything. Everything. Um, I'm kind of eclectic in music. I like all kinds of music. I, get, uh, I, uh, I enjoy classical music. Uh, 
Debussy, the Frenchman, is one of my favorite composers, and I like Brahms, and I like. But you know, I'm, I'm going to let you know. I also love bluegrass. I guess that's because I'm a hillbilly. But but <clears throat> some years ago, my son Jim gave me a a CD by uh, uh, Doyle Lawson. I was a fairly famous bluegrass singer. And it has on that song, on that CD, a beautiful song that lifted me up as, as I listened to it in a time of real burden and sorrow in my life. And it said, and there it has the lines, nothing can touch me that does not pass through his hands. It doesn't mean God wills it for me, but God allows it. And I'm called to remember that he who lets me experience these things will also sustain me. And that's what I want you to leave together knowing and feeling today that that you are under the care of a sovereign God who will bless your life even through your troubles. Can I tell you something? I've learned more about God and how it is that he walks with us through times of trouble and sorrow than I have ever learned in times of peace and happiness. That sounds strange, doesn't it? Because in those low times, though, even more than Lord, I cannot help myself to realize that he helps me. God is able to bring good things out of bad for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Before Gary and, uh, went into surgery, he and Diane and I were talking, and you remember some months ago, uh, he had to have surgery, and, or, and he went in to have an MRI, and because he was dreading the surgery, but in the process uh, of getting that MRI, they discovered a little spot on his stomach, and the doctors went in to see what it was, and it was a very nascent, very early stage cancer that they were able even able to take it out completely. thought that surgery was going to be bad, but it turned out to be something good in the providence of God because they were able to discover something no one could have known was there. Our dear sister in Christ, uh, Connie Woody, has been struggling with shingles. Those are a very, very painful disorder. But um, she was talking to us yesterday. Now, if I'm sure if anybody walks with the Lord, I, I, it's Connie. You get to know her, you'll be positive. And she was sharing that as much pain as this was, two things happened. One, she needed to sleep, and she cried out to Jesus, help me sleep. And she was able to sleep. And then the others said that it's given this, knowing this pain, that hell's going to be greater pain than this. She has felt a calling to try to save people from their worst kind of pain. Now, their son, Ken, is so funny. I don't know if you know Ken. 
I don't know where he gets his sense of humor from, Uncle Jerry, I guess. But, uh, but she was talking to him about it, and she was talking about the importance of avoiding the great pain. And he says, Mama, you can make a sermon out of anything. But it was a testimony, wasn't it? Because Connie's confidence has always been great in God, but now it's even greater, isn't it, Connie? She's nodding yes. God is able in your life to bring about good from bad things. The Bible doesn't say all things that happen to you are good. It says God's able to bring good out of them. And so I want you to try to remember in your life as you deal with times of sorrow and difficulty, and, and sometimes that's all you've got to hold on to, that God is sovereign and God is able to bring you through this and give, bring good out of it. Many years ago, I was preaching at uh, St. Paul's Church, uh, Evangelical Church in Crevecourt, Missouri, a really large church, and I was preaching on this text, and uh, I mentioned the name of Dr. Emmanuel Gitling, who taught at uh, Lenore Rhine, a Hebrew scholar, and his father was also named Emmanuel Gitling, and Emmanuel Gitling, the father was a missionary, a Christian man. He was a converted Jew. He was a missionary to Poland because he was Polish. And I mentioned that in this sermon and, and how God uh, used him to carry the gospel. How little did I know. As that sermon, service finished, I stepped out and was speaking to people. And there's a large crowd there that night. That church has about 1,800 members. But just a wonderful evangelical church. And, and out of the crowd came running forward an elderly man. I don't know how he was able to run, but he ran. He's a little short man, rimless glasses, bald-headed. He pulled my shoulders down, and he kissed me on each cheek, and I knew he was European. And he said, Dr. Gitlin, the father, gave me the greatest gift I have ever had. the knowledge of Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Now, this gentleman was raised uh, an, uh, a Jew in Warsaw, and uh, he became a Christian through Dr. Gitlin's preaching and teaching. His wife became a Christian, and they started a little, a little Jewish Christian church in the heart of the ghetto. Hardly any converts, he ever said. Very few people came. But we persisted because the God had told us to do that. And he said, then the war came. And then Hitler came. And we and me and my wife were rounded up. We weren't practicing Jews, but we were genetically Jewish. And I was put on a train to Auschwitz, and she was put on a train to somewhere else with a bunch of women. And I was sent to Auschwitz concentration camp. Thought it was the worst thing that could happen. He said, but at night, now let me say, this man has the whole Bible memorized. He's with the Lord now, but he had the whole Bible memorized. Can you think of that? That's loving God's word in it. Oh, I wish that I loved it more passionately. I do love it. But he said that 
at night in their barracks, he would teach and preach. They kept a man watching at the door because they would all be taken out and beaten if they were found gathering together. And at the far back corner of, of the barracks, he said, I would teach Christ. And he says, in those barracks, I baptized over a hundred Jews who came to Christ. He said, more than I'd ever even had listened to me in the ghetto. He said, many of us died, but some died with the everlasting. A bad thing, terrible thing. But in that context of his faithfulness and dependency upon God, God brought good out of it. You see, that's the kind of God we serve. He survived. Many didn't. But when he was let out, he, he said, I was constantly praying for my wife. Now, this will probably make you cry. It's a true story. He said that I went to every place I thought the Germans might have taken her to look for her, and nobody knew her, and nobody knew anything. And, uh, and uh, he says, finally, after... Uh, four months of searching, he said, I just sort of gave up hope. And he said, God, I'm going to turn this all over to you. If she is not in this world, I know I shall see her again in your world. Isn't that wonderful, that kind of God, you know that? And he said he got permission to come to Britain as a refugee. And... Um, he said that I was going through Brussels now. Before the war, uh, Brussels was the connecting point for all the railways for all over Europe. It's kind of like Atlanta if you're flying an airplane. And he said, but the American bombers had completely obliterated the great, beautiful uh, depot there, train station. And he said, so there, and there were, he said, there were literally thousands of people gathered there taking trains. And, and he said, I have a hard time telling it. He said, as I stood in the midst of that crowd, I looked across to the other side of the rails, probably as far as from here to the end of this building, and I saw her. And she saw me. And he said, we ran out into the midst of the rails and everybody realized what had happened and said the applause was like thunder. Again, his faith in a bad situation with the loss of his wife, assured, sustained. You see, folks, never forget, that's the kind of God that has you in his hand. That in whatever circumstances you are in, if you look unto him, he is able to take the worst of those circumstances and bring a blessing to you. He's that kind of God. Remember, beloved, for you, who love the Lord and who called according to his purpose. Remember, he is able. Not only is he able, 
but he will bring good out of every bad circumstance you have to deal with. Whether it's the almost unbearable pain you're going through, Connie, he is already bringing good out of it, isn't he? You're ready today, I know, to stand up and praise him for his sustaining power through this pain. Amen? And Steve, with all your troubles, you're ready to stand up and praise him for the way he's ministered and encouraged you and made you aware of the great love with which you're loved by your brothers and sisters that you really didn't know before. Amen? And I suspect there are many in this room that could give us the same testimony. That in my life, when I've had difficulties, when I've had troubles, when I've had sorrows almost beyond imagination, my faithful, sustaining God has blessed me even through my troubles. I'll never forget when I was pastoring in Ohio, an old lady in my church who was raised most of her life as an Amish woman, but came to depend on grace. The Amish depend on works, incidentally. You may not know that. But after years of faithfully walking with Christ, she came down with cancer, and it was inoperable. In the physical sense, she was not going to get over it. And I shall never forget the words she spoke to me as I expressed my sorrow and concern. And she says, Pastor, this cancer is the means by which the Lord God has put the key to unlock my life to life everlasting. Wow. But you see, she knew at a level that I had not yet learned at the time that for the believer, no matter what comes against them, God will bring good out of it. Would you please never forget that? Would you please always remember that? That whatever you have to deal with, God is able. And not only is it able, he will, he will bring good out of it. Amen.